Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is your friday night smackdown and aew rampage post show for july 15th 2022 i am your host jd from new york as always coming to you live from the ots venue thank you guys so very much for joining me on your friday evenings wherever you may be man i really got some banger music at the beginning of this show well jd why is your intro so long how many of you guys were hyped up after hearing that last song, man? I know I was. I'm hyped up for my own fucking show, and it's Friday Night SmackDown, man. Who would have thought? Seriously, I got to get myself pumped up somehow, right? SmackDown, man. SmackDown. Nothing exciting, nothing interesting. WWE had the opportunity to do something interesting tonight, and they failed as usual. The whole thing about this show tonight was we are going to find out who the special guest referee is for the Usos and the Street Profits at SummerSlam for the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championships. They had a multitude of options. A multitude of options. They could have brought back a past legend that we all actually like. They could have brought up somebody from NXT 
They could have used Sami Zayn, the acquaintance of the bloodline, the honorary oos is Sami Zayn. So WWE, instead of doing something interesting, they went with the most lame and disappointing outcome because SummerSlam is in Nashville, Tennessee. So they go and get the country music superstar, J-E-double-F, T slap nuts himself, Jeff Jarrett. WWE had Solo Sokoa, even though I think it is beneath him, WWE had the opportunity to bring up Solo Sokoa, and they opted to go with somebody who doesn't fit this feud at all, but fits the vibe that they're looking for for Nashville, Tennessee, man. I don't know what you guys think about that. Some of you may be excited to see Jeff Jarrett. Many of you probably are not. But how do you spell disappointment? T. Jeff Jarrett. WWE once again dropping the ball. And underneath all that, we got rematches. We got Jimmy Uso versus Angelo Dawkins again for SummerSlam momentum. This is what WWE finds to be quality television. Quality television equals rematches for WWE, man. I find it to be nauseating, and I don't know what you guys think, but I'm sick and tired of the fucking lack of attention and a lack of care for the tag team division. I think it's fucking awful. Rematches after rematches after rematches after rematches. None of them are tag team matches. Rematches after rematches after rematches after rematches. And here we get another tag team match. No matter how good it was at the last pay-per-view at Money in the Bank, they're doing it again. That's fine. But the whole build for the Money in the Bank match was rematch after rematch after rematch after rematch. Singles matches. And we got the build that we got for Money in the Bank all over again. Absolutely lame. No direction, effortless, lifeless, soulless writing. Nobody gives a shit. Yet I got to hear people claiming that TV 14 is going to bring WWE back to a quality program. You people are fucking delusional. You are delusional. Absolutely ridiculous. And we'll talk about that because Pat McAfee tonight, in his promo, who opened the show, by the way, uh, somebody that's not even on the active roster... Pat McAfee opened the fucking show. That's how lame this show is. That's how void of a, of a top program this show is. Pat McAfee opened the show and teased TV 14 in his opening promo. Those were legitimately the two biggest stories coming out of SmackDown. We got Natalia versus Liv Morgan in a championship contenders match. No Roman, no Ronda, no real SummerSlam build. Same old SmackDown on Friday night. Nothing really interesting at all. The one thing, though, the one thing, though, that I'm very worried about is the vibe between Gunther and Ludwig Kaiser. I don't know what you guys think, and we'll talk about it later, but it looks like, to me, Bruce is about to split up what is left of the former Imperium. And I think that is an absolutely terrible idea. On Rampage, we got quality wrestling. We got Jonathan Gresham and Lee Moriarty for the Ring of Honor 
World Championship. Claudio Castagnoli comes out and challenges Jonathan Gresham for the Ring of Honor. I say presumably, nothing's really confirmed yet. Maybe nothing's really confirmed yet. Jonathan Gresham versus Claudio looking like it's going to be the Ring of Honor World Title match at Death Before Dishonor. We'll probably get some build going into Dynamites on Wednesday. And then we got what I thought was a tremendous sit-down that will go over. FTR and the Briscoes sit down face-to-face as they share a couple of shots of tequila together. And then things go wrong and things go south between the two teams. So we'll talk about that. And I'm looking forward to that match incredibly, man. They already got my $30 on that one match alone. So it's going to be tremendous. If you guys missed that, it's on AEW's YouTube channel. I highly, highly advise you to go check that out. Absolutely worth your six minutes to go and watch those two teams create tag team magic. And it's going to be awesome at the pay-per-view At Death Before Dishonor, it is going to be great. Thank you guys very much for all of your support, man. We are rocking and rolling tonight. We got 1,500 plus in the OTS Beer Garden. You guys are awesome. I need you to hit that thumbs up, though. I see a problem here, man. I got a problem. I got almost 1,600 people in the venue, man, and I only got 417 likes. That's inexcusable. That's like Bruce Prichard level inexcusable, man. Come on. I need you guys, if you guys have not done so, to hit that thumbs up. There's no excuses. You guys want to support? Give me a thumbs up. You guys want to support? Show me you love the show and what I do, man. Give me a thumbs up. A thousand. A thousand minimum. That's the goal here. That is the that is the rule in the venue. A thousand minimum. Super chats are open. You guys are going to get them on in. You guys are going to sit down with me at the end of the show with our call beverages. And we're going to go over the Super Chats, man. So you guys get them on in. You let me know what you thought about tonight's show. What you're thinking about Death Before Dishonor. What you're thinking about this big dynamite on Wednesday with the barbed wire death match. What you think about this Sasha Banks story today where she's requesting $30,000 per appearance. Which is actually cheap, in my honest opinion. Or anything else you guys want to talk about, man. Sound off in the Super Chats. They are open. So get them on in. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That is on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and now Cameo, man. Thank you for all the love on Cameo. You guys are awesome. I love doing them for you. Everything you need is linked in the description below. Go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. We got Monday Live, Tuesday Live, Wednesday Live. Lots of live streams, man. We're live on Sunday, too. Episode 435 of the podcast did unbelievable. Thank you guys for all the support. We'll be live once again this Sunday. Loving the live format for OTS, man. Probably the best decision I made. Live off the script Sunday, 8 p.m. It's going to be awesome. Got a lot to cover, a lot to talk about. So RSVP to the beer garden should be great. Also, make sure you guys go and get your t-shirts, man. Bonfire.com is the exclusive home of Off The Scripts. Got that new design over there, the dawn of the IWC. And we got all the classic OTS designs over there, so go check that out. And tonight's show is sponsored. New sponsor, man. New friend of the podcast tonight. We are sponsored tonight by Monk Pack. What the hell is a Monk Pack, J.D.? Well, if you guys want a great snack on the go, you guys want a nutritious breakfast bar, 
That's what Monk Pack is, man. Awesome breakfast bar. We're going to talk about my new friends over at Monk Pack a little bit later, but if you guys enjoy Magic Spoon, I don't know why you wouldn't enjoy Monk Pack, man. I had a Monk Pack earlier this morning for the first time. I thought it was fucking fantastic. In fact, I got one right on my desk here. Look at that. All natural, man. This one is actually uh, coconut almond dark chocolate. Pretty fucking good right there, man. We'll talk about Monk Pack a little bit later. It's natural, organic, and vegan, man. You can't go wrong. Thank you to Monk Pack for sponsoring today's OTS. You guys want to check them out? Use our link. It's linked in the comment section right now, pinned at the very top of the live stream chat. Go check them out. And I want to thank them for once again supporting and sponsoring tonight's OTS for this Friday Night SmackDown post show on Off the Script. Let's get into SmackDown. I wish I didn't have to, but let's get into SmackDown tonight. Michael Cole started the show off. Michael Cole was in the ring, and we got Michael Cole bringing out Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee was the first thing that we saw on Friday Night SmackDown. So Michael Cole stood middle of the ring and introduced Pat McAfee saying that he recently had signed a multi-year contract extension to remain in WWE as his partner at the commentary booth on Fox. And whenever WWE desperately needs to sell tickets to a stadium show and they don't want to use anybody on the active roster, they can always call upon Pat McAfee at least for the next three years. McAfee made his way to the ring and he was all happy shaking hands and high-fiving people in the front row. So he gets in the ring and he says, I apologize for my absence last week because it forced WWE to listen or forced the fans and WWE to put him there. Corey Graves on commentary for the last two weeks because Happy Corbin, Happy Corbin did what he did at Money in the Bank. They also had to listen to Happy Corbin for 17 minutes on commentary last week. So we saw the video package that I just mentioned. Pat McAfee was attacked at Money in the Bank by Happy Corbin. And they showed Corbin mocking him on commentary on SmackDown, doing the Shinsuke Nakamura air guitar. Corey Graves even got in on the fun. I thought it was hilarious that they made fun of Pat McAfee. Why was Pat McAfee out legitimately, folks? He was actually golfing. He was actually golfing. He was in a celebrity PGA golf tournament. I don't know who his partner was. But I was at the bar drinking, day drinking, and I had the TV on in front of me, and I saw Pat McAfee golfing on a beautiful Saturday afternoon. Awesome. That's why he wasn't there legitimately. So they sold Pat McAfee's attack by Corbin by keeping him off television, but he was out celebrity golfing on Saturday afternoon last Saturday. So we go back in the ring. McAfee said the best thing that Corbin has ever done in his entire WWE career, is celebrate Shinsuke Nakamura the way Shinsuke Nakamura deserves to be celebrated. He said his neck was bruised, but not fractured. He said he and Corbin were actually roommates together when they were rookies on the Indianapolis Colts. He said he had hair, a bad body, only one bad tattoo, and was humble and hardworking. He said when he got to WWE, he became an insufferable douchebag who would do anything for a dollar. He said it isn't TV 14 yet. It isn't TV 14 yet. 
So that's an accurate title regardless for him. He said he will smack him around at SummerSlam and humble him into being an honorable member of society again. This is where Baron Corbin shows up on the big screen. He's wearing a rose gold Panerai watch worth $30,000 at least. Corbin is on the big screen and he said that he's glad that he's back, but it's a shame that he's too stupid to stay in his own lane. He told him, go back to commentary. And he showed marks on his forearm and said he caught something from McAfee speculating that he caught monkeypox from Pat McAfee. Why are we joking about monkeypox? WWE wants to joke about COVID, Seamus, <laughs> coughing on TV uh, last week, and now we got Baron Corbin poking fun at monkeypox. I mean, it's all a joke. Maybe it is a joke. Maybe it's not even real. I don't know. I don't know. But the fact that they throw these deadly diseases out there, it's kind of pathetic for them to do that. There are people out there that are really suffering from this shit, and they want to make light of it on WWE TV. So he shows the monkeypox, supposedly, or his allergic reaction to something, and he says he's afraid to be in front of the WWE universe. He then pivoted to introducing Liv Morgan, uh, did McAfee. This is after Corbin finished. He pivoted to um, introducing Liv Morgan, saying that she changed the entire trajectory of her career and her family with the win in Las Vegas. Liv came out slapping hands, and she was about to get in the ring and wrestle Natalia for this championship contenders match. Pat McAfee said that he faked monkeypox because he's allergic to success, and he'd see him at SummerSlam. That's pretty much what Pat McAfee said there. So... There were two things in this promo. One, the monkeypox, which I thought was ridiculous. Number two, the other big thing that he mentioned in this promo was the fact that it's not TV 14 yet. Now, Andrew Zarian of Matt Men Podcast put out a tweet that absolutely blew the fuck up for everybody on social media. And he reported that WWE was apparently going to TV 14 on... July 18th, I believe it was, this coming Monday. And WWE, apparently, they didn't know that that news and rumor was going to be leaked. USA Network didn't finalize with WWE, or WWE didn't finalize it with USA Network. And when both parties found out that the news got leaked, they both panicked, and they pretty much told Andrew, I'm assuming, to retract the statement Nothing is really confirmed yet. I don't really understand why he would go out there, and Andrew's a pretty credible guy, to go out there and say something like that when he knows full and well that that type of thing is going to get people excited for whatever reason. doesn't get me excited. Knowing that that news is going to get people excited, and then he has to retract it. Andrew wouldn't put that out if he didn't have legit credible backing behind that news article. Then WWE or USA or somebody told him to retract the statement, and that's where we are with it being right now in discussion. So clearly, when I heard this news, a couple hours later, I made a podcast or a little mini extra on it. I did a little video on it, and I talked about the TV14 uh, TV rating. 
for WWE television. Everybody was like, oh my God, this is going to be so great. TV 14, WWE is going back to TV 14. We may get better television. The quality of the show may be better from now on on Monday night. I'm looking at people with my arms out just like this. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? The TV rating doesn't matter. Are you this stupid? Do you know who writes this show? Do you know who the executive producer producer of this show is? Do you know who is head of creative for WWE? They got 40-something writers. There's only two that matter. Bruce and Vince. That's it. I don't understand why people are so crazy over this news. Then we got Pat McAfee pretty much confirming, but not confirming, Andrew Zarian's report that he had to retract because WWE didn't know, USA didn't know. They all freaked out when it got leaked. The left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. Typical WWE. Typical world wrestling entertainment. But Pat McAfee comes on TV. He obviously knew about the news. And he says, not yet. I don't understand why anybody would be excited about this. This is what I said yesterday in the video. And I posted the clip on Twitter and I posted the clip on TikTok. Why are you so mad? Why are you so mad? I don't, I don't understand it. Why is he so mad? It's not that serious. It's fake. This is the shit that I got. This is the shit that I got all day. Why are you mad? I'm not mad. I'm mad at you fucking people for being brain-dead fucking idiots. There's nothing to be excited about. I'm here to deliver the truth. I'm here. Listen, man, to be brutally honest with you, I love disappointing fucking people. I really do. I love disappointing people with my fucking truth. I love, I get off on disappointing fucking people and letting them know exactly what it is. I love ruining people. I love ruining people's moods. I do. I do. It brings me great pleasure, man. It titillates my juices of my guilty pleasures. It really does. I love it. WWE will not change under a TV 14 format. Right now, they're already TV PG 13. Seriously. The fuck are you going to do with a TV 14 product? Oh my God. The word bitch is going to be said a little bit more. They're going to show tits or cleavage and ass. They're going to say asshole and bullshit on TV. Oh, oh my God. Oh, my God. That really makes a great fucking show. You know who didn't have to do that? You know who operated under a TV PG product? Paul Levesque. NXT Black and Gold was a TV PG product, and they were the best fucking product on television. They were the best wrestling product in the world, my opinion. They didn't operate under a TV-14 TV parental rating. They operated under TV-PG, and they did everything to push that envelope to the fullest, to the max. WWE is going to have TV-14 rating and do what with it? Write a show that is written by a 76-year-old Vince McMahon? That's what you're looking forward to? This isn't Vince McMahon in the Attitude Era 30 fucking years ago. That Vince McMahon, I'd be like, all right, I could see him writing an Attitude Era show. This is 76-year-old Vince McMahon. This is a 76-year-old Vince McMahon that doesn't have the hired guns that he had in creative. And that is Jim Ross and Jim Cornette and Vince Russo and all those people, all those people that fit in the day and age that gave that show the fucking excitement that it needed. You're really looking forward to Bruce and Vince writing a fucking TV-14 product in 2022 
when we don't need a TV 14 product. We just need better creative. We need better writing. The writing sucks. Don't go out and act desperate and look desperate. Oh, look, we're TV 14 and you fucking idiots. Don't get excited about TV 14 when all that needs to be changed is the writing. If the writing was better, then the show would be better. The TV rating has nothing to do with the quality of the product. In fact, it may get worse under a TV 14 current format. That's what I'm afraid of. But everybody's excited. The fuck are you excited about? It's Vince and Bruce. I'll be excited when they're gone. I'll be excited when Vince is forced to step down as CEO and Paul Heyman or Paul Levesque is in charge of creative on the main roster. Appointed by his wife, Stephanie McMahon. That's when I'll be excited. This, not so much. Pat McAfee and Baron Corbin. The other thing, Corbin, and I'm, I'm shocked that WWE actually had Corbin and, and Pat McAfee with this storyline in mind. I'm surprised that they had Pat McAfee go out there and claim and, I guess, kind of dig into the uh, past of both guys. I was shocked when Pat McAfee came out and said, that they were roommates and they teamed on the Indianapolis Colts. I was here thinking that WWE's got two weeks to go before SummerSlam and they're not going to make one fucking mention that they were teammates or that they played football together on the Indianapolis Colts. Some of you idiots may think that's long-term booking. This is nothing more than a nice happenstance, a beautiful happenstance for WWE. It also exposes the roster problem because I have yet to see Gunther get booked for a match on SummerSlam being the Intercontinental Champion uh, and, and defending the Intercontinental Championship. But we got Pat McAfee versus Baron Corbin at SummerSlam. All it is is a desperate attempt to put more asses in seats in Nissan Stadium, meanwhile neglecting the rest of the active roster that legitimately should be on the show. So I'm shocked that WWE had Pat McAfee go out there and bring some sense to this. They did something right. Who would have thunk? I still don't care. Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan and Natalia. This was a championship contenders match. It's went about nine minutes. Decent match. Nothing overly exciting. I mean, it's fucking Natalia. The fuck did you expect out of this one, man? You expected a Matt Classic in this one with Liv Morgan? You expected to be on the edge of your seat? Edge of your seat action, man. Holy shit. It's like watching paint dry. Watching Natalia wrestle. Liv Morgan, on the other hand. Liv Morgan fan. Don't really get what all the hype is about. She's good. She's gotten better. But is she where is she where she needs to be? Probably not. I just sense this all coming to an end. I already sense Liv Morgan and her title reign just falling on deaf ears in WWE management. I see and feel WWE management already getting bored of Liv Morgan. I don't see them pushing her past Clash at the Castle. It is going to be a tearful afternoon when all the Liv Morgan stands gather around and say their prayers for Liv Morgan's two-month title reign, less than two-month title reign, when she loses the title to either Ronda or Charlotte Flair, knowing that she didn't do shit for the women's division. And WWE doesn't have any interest in Liv Morgan. I don't want to be right, but I have a feeling I'm going to be more than right when it comes to Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan and Natalia, I don't know what happened here, man. It looks sloppy to me. I don't know what you guys thought or saw. It looks sloppy to me. 
I like Liv Morgan, but she's not the most fluid. She's not the most graceful in the ring. Things go wrong most of the time. Natalia, if you're in there with Natalia, you should have the best match of your fucking life because Natalia is very good. Boring, but good. And Liv Morgan did not really have a good match. It was passable. It was decent. But I wouldn't say, oh, my God, you guys need to go back and rewatch this shit. It was just paint by the numbers, WWE women's division stuff. Morgan took over with a dropkick on Natalia, got a series of near falls. Natalia fought back, went for a sharpshooter on the apron. Morgan escaped and went for oblivion, but Natalia blocked it. She then gave Morgan a slingshot into the ring post. We go to commercial break. We come back from commercial break. Natalia had Morgan in a backbreaker submission, wrenching the back. At least it wasn't a chin lock, which we saw three different fucking times in three different matches tonight. Backbreaker submission, Morgan broke free, hit a missile dropkick. Morgan did a uh, nip-up and ran wild on Natalia. Natalia recovered, hit a release German suplex for another near fall for herself. So they struggled for a little bit here, trying to get to the top rope. Morgan slipped out. Natalia got back to her feet, hit a sit-out powerbomb for the closest near fall of the match. She locked on an ankle lock. Morgan broke free of the ankle lock. She then hit Oblivion for the win. Very, very sloppy ending sequence, and Liv Morgan retains the, uh, or she, this wasn't really a title match. It was a contenders match, which I fucking hate. Natalia's a loser, and she's getting championship contenders matches on Friday night. Doesn't make sense. But Liv Morgan, she vanquished Natalia. Now she has to worry about Ronda Rousey and SummerSlam, so we will see what happens there. No Ronda tonight on this show. No uh, sight of Ronda Rousey. I'm sorry, man. I stayed awake for this SmackDown because Ronda Rousey wasn't available tonight. So uh, we're in the positive here so far. But after the match, Kayla Braxton interviewed Liv Morgan. And I don't know about you guys, man. I'm, I'm just over the, uh, oh, my God, I'll do anything to keep my title. I'm the underdog. You know, the more you throw something in somebody's face, the more that they're going to reject it. This is how I'm starting to feel about Liv Morgan. I don't know about you guys, but that's how I'm starting to feel. Kayla interviewed Morgan. Braxton said it took her longer to beat Natalia than it took Ronda Rousey last week. Morgan said she gets what she's insinuating, and she is the underdog going into the match with Ronda, but she's vowed to leave as champion because I've always been the underdog, and I've always overcame everything. You know, the more you say that, the more I'm going to reject Liv Morgan. Why don't you just let Liv Morgan play the underdog? Really? You know, I've never seen them do this with Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan never came out here and every week on that matter. We never seen Daniel Bryan come out claiming, I'm the underdog. I deserve this. I've been fighting all my life. We didn't see that at the height of his popularity. It was always the heel pushing the baby face's buttons. You are a B-plus player. You are good, but you're not what we're looking for. That was the basis of that yes movement. And that was the basis of that yes storyline. Here, Liv Morgan's throwing it in our face every fucking week now since she's won money in the bank. I'm the underdog. I sleep with the title. You're going to have to pry this title from my hands. Nobody's taking this title from me. I'm the underdog. I fought from behind all my life. I'm going to fight till the end. Blah, blah, blah. Shit is garbage. Why don't you just let her go out there and emit genuine emotion? Why write, oh, I'm the underdog. I'm the underdog. I'm the underdog. I got to fight from behind. Nobody believes in me. I'll show you. 
The more you have her go out there, the more nauseating she's going to be. It sucks. The writing sucks. I don't even blame Liv. The writing sucks. Clearly somebody wrote this shit for her and she's got to go out there and regurgitate it to us. It sucks. I wish they would let her just be. Let her be. And then we would enjoy what she's trying to give back. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Megan Morant. She was with Austin Theory. Still can't get over the one name, Theory. Austin Theory. Oh, we can't name him Austin. That is Stone Cold's name. We're going to name him Theory. No, I don't like it. Still can't get over it. Whatever. He asked her to call him the youngest Mr. Money in the bank of all time and the youngest United States champion in history. He says he's got enemies in Bobby Lashley and now Dolph Ziggler. Oh, boy. I'm so excited for that one, man. Holy shit. Paul Heyman walked up to them and asked Morant for a moment with Paul Heyman. Heyman shook his hand and smiled like the fucking weasel that he is, the sly Jew that he is, Paul Heyman. We love him. Heyman shook his hand, smiled. He kissed up to Theory and said, he's all the better just standing next to you. Heyman said he knows that deep down his whole theory of cashing in the money in the bank contract at SummerSlam makes no business sense at all. So now he's getting into that uh, cheap car salesman routine, Paul Heyman. You gotta love him. Doesn't make any business sense at all. He says it doesn't make him money and there are 15% who fail. He says he shouldn't expose himself to those odds. He says they can work together and set up a scheduled title match on a major event with Roman Reigns for the WWE Universal Heavyweight Championship. So he touted the prestige and the spotlight and the money involved, planning ahead and being the marquee for any event. He told Heyman he could handle everything for him. Theory listened. And he thanked him for the advice. He reasserted he's going to cash in against either Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar. And he is going to become the youngest undisputed champion of all time. He says he might hire Heyman after he cashes in and wins the championship because I might need my own special counsel. Heyman stared down uh, theory as theory walked away. I thought this was a nice tease. This was probably the best tease 
of everything so far. I love Paul Heyman playing the, the act of the cheap car salesman trying to bullshit his way out of a bad deal here. And I like Austin Theory standing firm. Yeah, I like what you're telling me, and you make sense, but I'm going to do what I got to do because everybody else that tried to do what you're telling me to do has failed, and I'm going to do it my own way. I don't want the fucking marquee. I want to be the youngest world champion of all time, and that's exactly what he's going to do. Will he do it? I don't know. Will Austin Theory cash in on Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar? Probably not. I'm going to say no. Because they're going to need a Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns match at Clash of the Castle. And if anything, if anything, we'll have Austin Theory cash in on Drew McIntyre as he beats Roman Reigns. And maybe we get Theory versus McIntyre after Clash of the Castle. That's my prediction. I don't think he cashes in on Brock or Reigns because WWE hasn't really made any assumption or any, uh, there's no plans for it to be only one championship. If he cashes in, it's going to be for both championships. So I do think that we're going to get Clash of the Castle. I think we're going to get McIntyre beating Reigns and then Theory possibly cashing in on Drew McIntyre. That's what I think is going to happen. But I like this segment. I thought this was great. Uh, what's going on in the chat here, man? Uh, get him out. Just get the trolls out. Just get him out. People have to be here for four weeks, and that's what they want to say. Now you got to wait another four, ye- four weeks to talk your shit. But you're in my chat. But you're in my chat. You're watching the best damn fucking post show in the entire community. Go watch somebody else and troll. I don't give a fuck what you're telling me. Get him out. Now he's got to wait another four weeks. Goodbye. Goodbye. Where's Hooligrim? Hooligrim is not here. We got Jacob in the chat. Jacob Donnelly's in the chat. We got one mod here. That's fine. Anymore, there are no mods day day. Well, I'll close the chat down. I'll close the chat down. If that's what you guys want me to do, I'll close the chat down. I'll be, I'll be like John Taffer in this bitch, man. One more troll, we close the chat down. The Viking Raiders. Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods. This was the lamest part of the entire show. This is the level of WWE creative, man. This is, the, this is the, the extent of WWE creative. The Viking Raiders' Viking horn goes off on the PA. Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods come out dressed up as the Viking Raiders. They got Viking gear on. They got furry kilts. They got war paint. They got shields. They got helmets. This shit sucks. This is not the way to get me interested in a tag team feud between two comparable teams. So the New Day's in the ring calling themselves Ivas Ugly and Eric the Gross. This is a shoot. This is exactly what WWE thinks of Ivar and Eric. I just want you guys to be very well aware of that. This is what they think of the Viking Raiders. Ivas the Ugly and Eric the Gross. So we got a graphic on the screen that said, not the Viking Raiders or the Raid. We got the New Raid. That's their cosplay Viking Raider name, the New Raid. Xavier got into it. Kofi cut him off. He sounded like a fucking pirate. This, this sounded awful. Xavier tried again. The actual Raiders then walked out. 
and said, they are vicious because we didn't hear it 16 fucking times last week on commentary. They're vicious, he says. And they will leave them broken. I'm broken. My spirit is fucking broken watching this goddamn product. It sucks. Xavier offered to expand their vocabulary. New Day led a chant for the crowd in Orlando. You ugly. The Raiders then charged to the ring. Shanky and Jinder Mahal, Jinder Mahal, came out, cut them off, and attacked them at ringside. So New Day joined in, and they dove onto the Viking Raiders, causing the Raiders to retreat. Cole is on commentary, called it a beautiful setup, planned setup by the New Day, or the New Raid. And the New Day and Shanky danced to the New Day's music, Ginger looked out of his out of his complete mind here. He looked out of his element here. He didn't know what the fuck was going on. And he refused to dance with Shanky and the New Day. This shit sucks. This is god-awful television. Jinder Mahal, you're making me start to feel bad for Jinder Mahal. If this is the best that you got for Shanky and Jinder Mahal, I don't know why the fuck they're employed here. I really don't. Yeah, you want me to get interested in a Viking, the vicious and new Viking Raiders, right? You want me to get interested in a Viking Raiders revamp, but you got the New Day coming out, calling them ugly and fat, and then you want to have a cosplay of the Viking Raiders mixed in with Shanky and Jinder dancing. Yes, this is supposed to sell me on a fucking tag team match with the Viking Raiders and the New Day, right? This shit sucks. It's every fucking reason why SmackDown sucks, this segment. Kayla Braxton, she stood in the ring backstage. They got that little ring set up. She interviewed Ludwig Kaiser. And Gunther was there, the intercontinental champion. She said Gunther, uh, or she asked Gunther why he attacked Kaiser last week. Gunther said losing is unacceptable and losing has consequences. Bruce loses every week. He's a fucking loser. Losers should have consequences. I don't see any consequences coming down upon Bruce for the fucking terrible show he puts on every week. Braxton said there will be a rematch next week between Ludwig Kaiser and Shinsuke Nakamura. Gunther made Kaiser unzip his jacket and he chopped his chest again. So that's four chops in the last two weeks from Gunther to Ludwig Kaiser. Nothing else was said there. Nothing else was said there. So, two things here. Number one, it looks like Nakamura is going to beat Ludwig Kaiser again next week because I'm presuming that Shinsuke Nakamura and Walter, or Gunther, is going to be your Intercontinental Championship match at SummerSlam, which is fine. Maybe they put on a banger of a match. I don't know. Number two, and I'm genuinely concerned about this. I'm genuinely worried about this. If Ludwig loses again, which I expect him to lose again next week to set up the Gunther and Nakamura IC title match at SummerSlam, which would be the first pay-per-view the title is defended on since WrestleMania, since Big E and Apollo Crews had that Nigerian drum match. If Ludwig loses next week, I don't know about you guys, but I have a feeling that WWE is going to break up what is left of Imperium. And I think that is a terrible, 
terrible idea. Now, I could be wrong. Maybe they just use this to build Walter's character or Gunther's character, right? And they keep him in there while beating down on Ludwig. It's going to make Gunther into more of a superior boss, this, this controlling intercontinental champion. He's reigning terror and he's out of control and he's out of hand to give him a little bit more character. The way I see it, it looks like character development, but I really can't trust WWE's motives because they love, they love breaking up fucking teams. They love splitting people away. If Gunther is split from Ludwig, Gunther will be fine. Gunther's going to be just fine. If Ludwig is by himself, he's getting the pink slip and he's going to be released. Just like if Angelo Dawkins is split from Montez Ford, Angelo Dawkins is getting the release. His career's over. So is Ludwig's. I don't expect WWE to push these guys individually at all. But you got them there now, and they are a great act. Why do you want to split them up? That's what I'm concerned about. This is two weeks in a row where he's dictating what Ludwig needs to do and his superior superiority complex and his narcissistic attitude is reigning over Ludwig. So what does that mean? It means WWE is probably ready to split these guys already, and I don't think that is a good idea at all. Aaliyah, she made her way out to the ring, and we got a $50 bomb in the chat. Yes. $50 bomb by Angel. Thank you, brother. Getting rid of PG-13 won't matter until two old geezers, the two old geezer degenerates are no longer in creative. Absolutely agree, Angel. Absolutely agreed, man. Lacey Evans. Lacey Evans. Lacey Evans came out and she started to once again rip on the fans in Orlando, Florida. She said they should be grateful because she's an American hero and a prime example of everything the nasties are not. So she did this thing again before she even said any of this. She walked down the aisle. She stopped. She told the PA guy to shut the theme music off. And then she continues down the aisle again. And then she says, everybody's a nasty And you're a prime example of everything these nasties aren't and will never be. So they shouted the what chant at Lacey Evans. She got the what treatment tonight. Good for her. That's when you know you've sunk to rock bottom when you get the what chant. She said the truth might be too hard for some to handle. From the bottom of my heart, I apologize to anyone I have offended. She sensed the fans didn't accept her apology. And she told them all to go straight to hell. Sounds like Vince McMahon wrote this fucking promo. Which I wouldn't be surprised if he actually did. I wouldn't be surprised if he's in charge 100% creatively over the Lacey Evans supposed heel turn. Which is bombing. It is a failure already. It's not genuine reaction. People legitimately don't want to see her on television. Now, they did show some vignettes and some clips of Lacey Evans and her terribly forced story about 
being a U.S. Marine and her father and her family and her upbringing and the struggles that she had to go through. Garbage. Garbage. If I had access to cover my face in a fucking green puke emoji, that's what I would do to myself right now. Awful. Who enjoys this? Is there any Lacey Evans fans out there? The three of you, please show yourself. I'd love to know who these people are. How are you a Lacey Evans fan? More importantly, why are you a Lacey Evans fan? That's what I want to know. Maybe the question of the month. Why are you a Lacey Evans fan? This shit sucks. Nobody believes anything that's coming out of her mouth. And I don't really know what it is. It could be good. It could be great. The heel turn should be really looked at as, hey, they made a good decision. But they didn't. They stalled. Their indifference had killed Lacey Evans right from the word go. She shows up on SmackDown for five weeks only to be moved to Monday Night Raw. Say the same shit over there. Move back to SmackDown. WWE wanted to force us to like Lacey Evans through the goody two-shoes story. Oh, boo-hoo-hoo, please feel sorry for me. Please feel sorry for me. No. Again, the more you tell people to do something, the more you tell people to sympathize with someone, they are going to do the opposite. The fans can only take boo-hoo-hoo, cry me a fucking river, Please feel sorry for me. I'm a U.S. Marine. I'm a hero. I should be you're looked at as a, as, a, as a major deal. I should be looked at and I should be given resounding ovations everywhere I go. You tell people to do that. That is a heel thing to do. And here we are. Now it's gotten to a point where, yes, she's getting booed, but it's not booze for the right reason. They're booing her not because of her character work, They're booing her because they don't want to see her on TV. They are genuinely nauseated by everything that is Lacey Evans. And again, I don't know what it is. If this was somebody else that was a halfway decent fucking promo, I might not be shitting on it as bad as I have the last two weeks. She has no charisma. Her her delivery is fucking terrible. And that, to me, is the only thing I could really say as to why this is fucking failing. Her delivery sucks. There's nothing coming out of this woman's mouth that I find to be, oh my God, I love that. It's the same fucking monotone bullshit that we got when she was spewing us her fucking stories for six weeks. This is not a heel. This is somebody the fans genuinely don't want to see on their television and genuinely don't give a shit about. So get her the fuck off TV. The project has failed. It failed once with the Southern Bell shit and now it's failed again. When are you going to learn that you need to stop force-feeding the fans, otherwise they are going to reject it and you will look like a bunch of fucking creative failures. That's what this looks like. And I'm sick and tired of this shit, man. WWE's done this for way too long and they still don't understand the error of their ways. Drew McIntyre. What did I tell you guys last week when we talked about the supposed Drew McIntyre and Sheamus main event? that WWE baited us with. We got Drew McIntyre versus let me at him, let me at him, Scoob. Butch 
We got him and Drew McIntyre in the main event. It went about three minutes. And Drew McIntyre, Claymore, Butch to a victory. Sheamus, on the other hand, was pretending he had COVID because he couldn't wrestle. And I said last week that I guarantee you he went through Butch. WWE's going to do Drew McIntyre versus Ridge Holland next week. And then they'll book the match at SummerSlam between Drew McIntyre and Sheamus because he's got to go through the brawling brutes first. Reggie. This company is so fucking predictable. So predictable, man. It is fucking laughable how predictable this company is. But they, they, they seem to think that this is quality television. Fox seems to think that this is quality television on Friday night. How's the quality television if I can predict what happens two weeks out? It's fucking ridiculous. So we got this match. It went three minutes. Ridge Holland and Drew McIntyre went three minutes. So much for the brawling brutes. By the way, Lacey Evans was supposed to wrestle Aaliyah. Aaliyah standing out there. Looks like a dumbass. She doesn't wrestle. Lacey Evans doesn't wrestle. And Aaliyah was shown to the live audience. And she stood there like a fucking nimrod. Just listening to Lacey Evans cut a promo. Where'd she go? Where'd she go, referee? Ridiculous. Drew McIntyre beat Rich Holland in three minutes. The fuck do you want me to say about a three-minute match, man? Who do you think was going to win this match? Rich Holland? <laughs> Give me a break, man. So, we got Rich Holland in there. Butch jumped out of the ring. He wanted to wrestle Drew McIntyre again, so he jumped out of the ring, and we got Rich Holland. And McIntyre was firmly in control, and he beats Ridge Holland with Sheamus's clubbing forearm strikes to the chest. So he looked right at Sheamus while he did that, and Sheamus caused a distraction, and Holland pushed McIntyre into the ring post. Holland slowed the match down. What did he slow the match down with, ladies and gentlemen, in a three-minute match? You need to slow down. You need to come down in a three-minute match. What do you think that the move was that he applied to slow the match down? Slow the match down. Slow the match down. A chin lock. A chin lock. I don't know how many of you guys are picking up on the chin lock deal, man. Everybody does it. Chin lock for you. Chin lock for you. Chin lock for everybody. So we got the chin lock. McIntyre broke free, set up for the Claymore. Butch interfered. McIntyre recovered, hit White Noise on Shame. I wonder who he's wrestling at SummerSlam. White Noise, Claymore, one, two, three, and that is it. Oh, joy, oh, joy. I wonder who Drew McIntyre's next opponent's going to be. Maybe it'll be Ridge and Butch next week. Let's see if I'm right on that one. Maybe we'll get a handicap match next week. Won't be shocked if that's the case. It's fucking Bruce Pritchard, man. This guy is as predictable as they come. We got Megan Morant. She's interviewing Madcap Moss. He vowed to smash Theory flatter than a pancake. 
I prefer waffles to each his own. Heyman walked in and told Morant, still better than Kayla. He loves Kayla, man. He does. He's got a thing for Kayla, but he won't admit it. He asked her to leave. She did. She took the mic with her. Yet we could still hear Heyman and Moss. And Heyman was pitching Madcap to take Theory out of commission. And then he could have a scheduled title match against Roman Reigns if he does so. Madcap, listen, he blew off Heyman's handshake and said, he sure sounds scared of Theory cashing in. We got the Maximum Male Models next week, folks. Next week, they're going to unveil the 2022 Beachwear Collection. Oh, my goodness. This shit is dead. Dead. It's going to be presented by Maxine Dupree. This apparently is Max Dupree's sister. They got a blonde to fill in for the Maximum Male Model Stable to be the other spokesman. Maybe it's somebody that uh, is already on the roster. I have no fucking idea. We got Maxine Dupree debuting next week alongside Max Dupree, Dupree, to unveil the 2022 Beachwear Collection. I want to know, are you guys titillated at all? Are your juices titillated with your guilty pleasures? Maxine Dupree. Yes. This is a real thing, folks. I'm not, I'm not lying to you. I'm not bullshitting to you. This is not a fabricated storyline that I came up with on the spur of the moment on the podcast. No, this is a legit thing. Maxine Dupree. Maxine, what is it? Is, is it Maxine with three X's? Is that what they did? This shit is a fucking failure. A fucking failure. Who's Maxine Dupree? I hope to God it's somebody that we don't give a shit about. I really do. I would not wish this shit on the worst wrestler, the most hated wrestler on the roster, man. I would not wish them this fucking death of a thousand deaths. The maximum male models. Mansoir and Marseille. The maximum male models. Dead. Max Dupree will be released before the end of the year. Guaranteed. I still don't believe that this is the best that they have for fucking L.A. night. Madcap Moss versus Austin Theory. This went 12 minutes. Wasn't bad. I'm watching this and I'm saying to myself, this is exactly what we should be getting on a weekly basis. The the, the youth of WWE, man. The future of WWE right here. Theory and Madcap Moss in the ring. Wasn't a bad match. This may be a future world title match somewhere down the line. Believe it or not, it may be. They had a good match. Finish was lame. This finish was typical Bruce. So Theory was in control. Took over with the shoulder tackle. He went for a leapfrog, but Moss caught him midair. And uh, it didn't look pretty. It looked like it was going to be botched. But uh, Moss caught Theory and nearly dropped him on his head. He backed him into the corner, which was a barely made save. That could have been a fucking complete disaster. They stumbled around for a bit. Moss was able to regain his balance in a fallaway slam. They fought on our ringside. Moss, sh- Moss charged at Theory, but he avoided Moss with a leapfrog. Moss crashed into the ring steps. Theory hit a rolling drop kick for a near fall. Theory took over, folks. He slowed the match down. Austin Theory slowed the match down, folks. 
With what, might you ask, JD? He slowed it down with a chinlock. The dreaded chinlock. <laughs> it's unbelievable. The fucking chinlock, man. Everybody does it. Everybody does it. Ring around the rose, man. Everybody's got to get the chin lock. How many producers they got in this fucking company? How many producers does WWE have in this company? And we see the same come down in every fucking match. Can we get a figure four? Can we get a fucking headlock? Can we get a fucking uh, full Nelson? Can we get something, man? Something. A wrist lock. Something. A bear hug. Fucking chin lock. Anyway, Shinlock slowed the match down. Moss fought back, took it to Theory, shoulder tackle of his own. Stiff clothesline, another shoulder tackle in the corner. Theory tried fighting back, but Moss had a spine buster for a near fall. Theory stomped on Moss's leg, hit a back suplex. He went for a cover, only got a two count. So we go into a Theory rolling dropkick, which is a great looking move. Moss fought back, took it to Theory again with another shoulder tackle, this time out of the ring. Lots of shoulder tackles here by Matt Cat Moss. Moss went after Theory. Theory grabbed the briefcase and hit Moss with the briefcase for the disqualification. What did I tell you guys on Monday, man? What did I tell you guys on Monday when Austin Theory lost in the tag team match that he was a part of with Matt Riddle and Bobby Lashley teaming with Seth Rollins where Dolph Ziggler interfered? Theory lost on Monday. Theory loses on Friday. This is typical Vince McMahon, Mr. Money in the Bank, creative. Vince is going to have Austin Theory lose every fucking match that he has on TV. He's going to use him on TV, and he's going to have him lose on TV because in Vince McMahon's sick and demented mind, Austin Theory doesn't need to win matches, even though he does. Austin Theory can afford to lose matches, according to Vince McMahon, because he already has a contract for a WWE championship match. So by that, Vince thinks that Theory can lose and look weak because he's got the contract. He's got a title match whenever he wants, and that's not the way it should be. If he won the briefcase, he should be looking strong. But that's the sick and twisted mind of Vince McMahon. I don't like it, but that's the way it is. After the match, Theory promised to be the next WWE undisputed universal champion. Out comes... Sami Zayn, who he had a sling, his arm was in a sling. He said, Theory has been disrespecting the bloodline, and when you do that, there will be consequences. So he strongly recommended that he apologize to Roman Reigns and the Usos. Theory asked if he's the bloodline suck-up. I'm surprised they didn't go with the bloodline bitch. Typical WWE as well there. Uh, He asked what he'd do with one arm. The Usos' music then plays. They come on out. Theory then retreated because he didn't want to wrestle the Usos two-on-one. And uh, we got the Usos walking out as Sammy was bobbing his head to their theme music, thinking that he's legitimately a part of the bloodline. They didn't really acknowledge him at all. Moss then surprised Theory at ringside, slammed him headfirst into the ring post, and then tossed him with the Money in the Bank briefcase over the timekeeper's area. That was pretty much it. Match was fun, and WWE once again had Theory lose because, like I said, he, according to Vince McMahon, can afford 
to take losses. Sami Zayn, he stood on commentary for the rest of this match. I wonder if he's going to have a role at SummerSlam with the Usos. Maybe. Possibly. I don't know. We got Jimmy Uso with Jay Uso in his corner. Angelo Dawkins with Montez Ford in his corner. One-on-one match for SummerSlam Momentum. SummerSlam Momentum, folks. More valuable than the WWE Intercontinental title. It's amazing. So we got this match. One-on-one singles match. I also predicted this last week. Angelo Dawkins beat Jimmy Uso. And Dawkins, Jimmy, decent match. I mean, they're very good wrestlers. But we've seen this how many different times before? There's nothing to get excited about. If you miss this SmackDown and this main event, you miss nothing. That's not a good feeling for the show. Yeah, let me put on matches that everybody's seen five fucking times already before this. It gives you the feeling of, I can miss this. Nothing's going to happen. And the only people that can't miss it are people like me because we make this our living. This is what I do for a job. So, Jimmy had the advantage here. Sent Dawkins out to ringside. Jimmy set up for a suicide dive, but Dawkins cut him off. Dawkins then tackled Jimmy over the barricade. We got a commercial break. Jimmy was in control and hit the Rikishi, Rikishi splash. Uh, no chin lock. Yet. Dawkins recovered quickly and rocked Jimmy with a right hand. Dawkins fired up, hit a big flying elbow. He followed up with a twisting neck breaker for a near fall. Jay Uso tried to interfere, but Dawkins knocked him off the ring apron. Jimmy then collided with the referee, and the referee went down. Uh-oh. Fuck finish. On its way. Dawkins rolled up Jimmy, and he had the match won, but the referee was down. Jimmy hit a super kick. He had the match won. Charles Robinson was still down. Jimmy yelled at Robinson to get up. Dawkins recovered, hit a beautiful sit-out powerbomb. For the one, two, three, and the Street Profits get momentum going into SummerSlam. Typical WWE. So the thing with this is, after the powerbomb, they really focused in on the shoulder. This was a fuck finish. It was a controversial finish because the referee got knocked out and he was out of the vantage point. So... It was a controversial finish because Jimmy's shoulder, his right shoulder, was up off the mat and it wasn't completely down for the count. So what they're doing here is they're giving us a, oh, well, the Street Profits lost with the shoulder of Montez being up off the mat and the Usos now lost this one-on-one match for SummerSlam momentum and Jimmy's shoulder was off the mat. I would be shocked if we don't get a two out of three falls match at SummerSlam. Maybe maybe that's where they're going. Maybe that's where they're going with this. I would do it. Two out of three falls with the Street Profits and the Usos for the SmackDown and Raw Tag Team titles. I think that's great. I think that would be fantastic. So then they announced, Adam Pearce came out and admitted that no athlete wants to lose because of bad officiating. Adam Pearce then announced Jeff Jarrett. Yes, J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T-T, Jeff Jarrett, is the special guest referee at SummerSlam. They showed a Jeff Jarrett video package, and the Usos and the Street Profits brawled to end SmackDown. I look at this, and I sit here disappointed. 
They could have legitimately done anything, man. They could have did Mick Foley. They could have did Solo Sokoa. They could have did uh, anybody. Shawn Michaels. Anybody. Anybody. They want to bring back Jeff Jarrett to do a special guest referee. Now, Solo Sokoa tweeted, I don't have the tweet, but if you go to his Twitter, he pinned Orlando and whatever arena they were in, and he got a lot of people speculating that he may be the special guest referee tonight. I don't think that would have been a good introduction for him. And if Paul Heyman wanted to get involved here, they could have weaved Paul Heyman into this, saying that he found the special guest referee that's going to be fair and right down the middle, right? It could have been Solo Sokoa. He has real... No real ties to the Usos on the main roster, but he is their brother. But Paul Heyman could have weaseled his way into this and gave us Solo Sokoa or a Solo Sokoa sighting for SummerSlam, and he could have been the special guest referee just as a way to get his name and him in front of the WWE audience. Somebody. No, they want to go with somebody who is the epitome of disappointment. Like, who is excited about this? They're basing Jeff Jarrett's inclusion on this because he's from Nashville, Tennessee. And he's a country music guy. I think this is fucking lame. I'd rather see anybody in there but fucking Jeff Jarrett. Give me Hornswoggle. Or somebody from Johnny Knoxville's crew. Somebody. Somebody. Nothing about this is entertaining and nothing about this is exciting. Now, the thing is, Sami Zayn was on commentary. I don't know if Sami Zayn is going to play into this. Maybe Jeff Jarrett also has a problem officiating this match. Maybe. And Sami Zayn, his arm is in a sling. Maybe at some point he gets involved with the tag team match and he officiates. I can't see the Usos losing these titles. I can't. I can't. WWE's really making it well known to everybody that they are now one year as tag team champions. SmackDown Tag Team Champions. But I can't see Sami Zayn not having a role on this show. I can't see the Usos losing the championship. Roman isn't losing that championship. Roman's not walking out of SummerSlam titleless. So if Roman's going to retain his title, the Usos are going to retain their title. Otherwise, the bloodline doesn't work. This whole fucking gimmick, the tribal chief, the fucking uh, bloodline owning SmackDown and WWE doesn't work. I think Sami Zayn gets involved. I think Jeff Jarrett gets involved there, fucks up or gets knocked out, and Sami Zayn's in there to uh, be a backup referee. He'll have a referee shirt on. He'll be in there. He'll count one, two, three, and the Usos will retain the tag team titles by hook or by crook. This episode of SmackDown sucked, man. Nothing about this was must-see. If you missed this SmackDown, you missed absolutely nothing at all. Nothing. Thank you guys very much for all your support, man. Anybody. You could have given me anybody. I mean, David Otunga, Jerry Lawler, Veer. Somebody. Somebody. But we got Jeff Jarrett. We got 2,000 plus in the venue, man. Thank you guys very much for all your support. We're about to go over the AEW portion of the show. Rampage tonight. Decent episode of Rampage at one hour. Make sure you guys continue to hit that thumbs up, man. How's the fucking music, man? I know the music ain't skipping now, motherfucker. 
Wednesday, it was skipping. Tonight, it's not skipping. Follow me on social media, guys. At JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. TikTok. Cameo. Go check out all the other videos that you might have missed. Everything you need is on the homepage. Hit that thumbs up. I see 818 likes. I need 1,000, man. I need 1,000 likes minimum in the beer garden. Hit that subscribe button down below as well, man. Tonight's show sponsored by my good friends, my new friends over at Monk Pack. Look at this, man. Monk Pack right there. Look at that. Coconut almond dark chocolate. I had one this morning, man, with my coffee. Loved it. I went to go run errands today. I went to uh, stop and shop. Did a little food shopping today, man. I brought one to give me that natural boost of energy. On the way out doing errands. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Monk Pack. Monk Pack offers low sugar, keto friendly bars that are plant based, gluten free, and non GMO. Now, listen, man, I'm not plant based anything. My brother is, but I'm not. This don't taste no plant based, man. When I tell you it tastes delicious, this one's my favorite. That's why it's here. The uh, dark chocolate coconut almond. My favorite one. Non-GMO. They are the perfect snack for anyone who is trying to eat better or cut back on sugar and carbs, which I'm trying to do. Seriously. Without sacrificing the taste. Monk Pack Keto Granola Bars and Nut and Seed Bars contain one gram of sugar or less. Two to three grams of net carbs. And each bar contains 100 and 50 calories or less, man. Again, I love the coconut almond dark chocolate. It's chewy. It's delicious. The only downside to me, man, it's so good. It's so small and so good. You want more. That's the downside to it all, man. It's got great texture. Like I said, it's chewy like a granola bar. Exactly what I want. I love it. So make sure you guys go and try it for yourself, man. No high-intensity sweetener, no aftertaste, none of that, man. Great ingredients. It's natural, organic, and vegan. And these bars are just not made for people looking for keto, man. Let me tell you. They are a perfect snack for anyone looking to reduce their sugar intake while still enjoying great taste. Flavorful snacks. They contain real ingredients and are delicious and nutritious for the whole entire family. Get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack. Produced by MonkPack.com. Enter our promo code SCRIPTS, or you can simply click the link in the description below. I'm even going to pin it in the comment section of the video. I pinned it in the live stream chat. 20% off code SCRIPTS. MonkPack is so confident in their product. It's backed by 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason at all, they'll exchange the product or refund you your money Whichever you prefer. I want to thank them once again for sponsoring the show right here on OTS. Everybody's trying to eat better, man. I'm trying to eat better. I should eat more, really. I I eat maybe one meal a day, really. Nothing but coffee, man. I survive on caffeine. I really do. 
Anyway, I survive on good wrestling, too. We got some pretty damn good wrestling on AEW Rampage, bro. We did. First of all, I want to talk about this FTR and Briscoe's sit-down back and forth that we saw on AEW's YouTube channel, man. I love things like this, man. And they sold me. They sold me on the match when it was announced because the first one is match of the year. Nothing in pro wrestling has even come close to what FTR and the Briscoes did at Supercard of Honor. And when they announced this match, it sold me already on the pay-per-view. You got my $30. That's it. And Tony Khan is building what looks to be a very stacked card, which we'll go over here tonight. But this sit-down, man, I need you guys, after the show is over, go and check out this sit-down with FTR, Cash and Dax, and the Briscoes, J. Mark Briscoe. Fucking great. It included shots of tequila. It looked like the Briscoes were warming up to FTR, that they were upset that it was an off night. The match got made into a two out of three falls match. Cash and Dax obviously took offense to this. Well, it was an off night for you, and you're saying it was a fluke that we beat you, and now you're good to go. You got no other things to worry about. You got us only to worry about. You got this match to worry about. You're calling us a fluke, and you think you got lucky, or we got lucky over you guys. You thought it was an off night for you guys. How about you try and do that in a two out of three falls match? So this match is now made into a two out of three falls match. The last two out of three falls match that we saw FTR in, the Revival in, was against uh, DIY in Toronto. NXT TakeOver Toronto, man. Remember that? Two out of three falls with Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. Still one of the best tag team matches that I've ever witnessed, ever. Ever. And I'd probably say the same thing for FTR. They'd probably say that match is one of their career highlights as well. One of the best tag team matches that those two guys have ever wrestled against Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano at TakeOver in NXT. And now we're being graced with another two out of three falls match. This is going to be tremendous. Tremendous. Like, you already had me with the match being announced. You had me after the first match at Supercard of Honor. And now you're adding a second match and a two out of three falls stipulation? This match makes the entire pay-per-view. You're getting your $30 worth just based off this one match. Then you got Joe versus Jay Lethal for the TV title. You're going to get Claudio versus Jonathan Gresham for the Ring of Honor World title. You got Mercedes Martinez versus Serena Deeb. And you got Wheeler Yuta versus Daniel Garcia for the pure title. This is a stacked show. A stacked card. Tony Khan is sparing no expense for this show. You need to go and watch it. At the end, they toasted again or tried to, FDR, tried to toast with the Briscoes. Dax said he spent $180 on this fancy tequila, right? He loves his tequila. He poured the Briscoes some shots of tequila. They tried to drink it, FTR, and the Briscoes dumped the tequila out, saying that they don't want none of their bullshit cheap tequila. This was fucking awesome. You guys got to go and watch this. This is going to be tremendous. At the end of the year, we may this may be better than the first one. That's what's scary. But at the end of the year, it's going to be FTR versus the Briscoes, uh, one and two as the number one and two matches of the entire year. That's what they're aiming for, and that's what they're going to deliver. This is going to be tremendous. So we got Rampage. Tony Schiavone, Jim Ross, Chris Jericho, and Excalibur. Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross on Rampage. It's slightly new. They're changing the format a little bit. They want Rampage 
to feel a little bit more up to par and a little bit more important when comparing it to Dynamite. Nobody's watching the show for Tony Schiavone. Nobody's watching the show for Jim Ross. It's great to listen to, but it's not really going to bring in the extra audience on Friday night at 10 o'clock. It's not going to happen. And that's what uh, what AEW is trying to do here. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to make the show feel important. I said this from day one. Jim Ross doing the second hour of Dynamite and then that hour of Rampage where they got him sitting there for the two hours total, but he's doing one and one. They're trying to make the show feel a little bit more important. Jim Ross does bring that to the table, but it's not something that's going to equal bigger ratings or more of an audience on Friday night. But I appreciate the effort. It's a step in the right direction. We all know what Rampage needs to do. Rampage needs to go live at a normal hour, on a normal night, in a normal time slot, and go two hours. That's what it needs to do. This 10 o'clock shit ain't working. Kings of the Black Throne with the lovely Julia Hart. We got Brody King and Malachi Black against John Silver and Alex Reynolds. This went about eight minutes. Reynolds ducked a kick from Black. He got the hot tag to John Silver. Took Black down with a flying uppercut. Silver got a near fall off of an angle slam. Silver tagged Reynolds back in too soon. And he ate a big boot from Brody King and a lariat from Black. That got a near fall. Silver and Black double-teamed King. Um, no, actually, not, uh, not Silver and Black. Uh, Silver and Reynolds uh, double-teamed King and got a near fall after a uh, German suplex from Silver. Black and King... Then hit Dante's Inferno, which looked fucking brutal on Alex Reynolds. One, two, three, and that was it. The best part of this was after the match. The House of Black were walking up the ramp into the back. Darby flew off the top of the heel tunnel, and he flew onto Brody King for revenge, because Brody King, if you guys watched over the uh, past week, We got Brody King absolutely demolishing Darby Allen at what looked to be the pro wrestling tee shop somewhere or uh, signing somewhere. Absolutely mauled this guy. So Darby looking for revenge on Brody King. This obviously all started from the uh, Battle Royal, the Royal Rampage, where Brody eliminated Darby, choked him out and hung him out to dry and then dropped him like a sack of shit to eliminate him. So he's got revenge on his mind there. While Darby flew at Brody... Malachi was just allowing this to happen. He just watched as the carnage was happening right before his very eyes. All of a sudden, Malachi walks back to the stage and out comes Sting. They have an absolutely epic stare down and then they back away from each other. They wanted to see who was going to attack who first. So Malachi walked away, Sting walked away. They looked back at each other and then they came to the center of the stage again and looked at each other in what I thought was an epic An epic stare down. If we're getting Sting and Darby versus Malachi and Brody, sign me up. I think that's that's great. I think that'd be a fun-ass fucking match, man. So I love that stare down between Sting and Malachi. And I said to myself, man, Sting is living his best life, man. Never in a thousand fucking years. Never on my scorecard for 2022 would I have penned Sting staring down Malachi Black at the end or at the start of a Rampage show on TNT. Unbelievable. Like Sting is in there with all the young kids, man. He's in there with all the young guys. He's loving it. He's living his best life. 
We got a pre-tape promo from Miro, and this was very short. He wanted to know if his god sent the House of Black to destroy him or to recruit him. Could we see Miro in the House of Black? I don't think so. I don't think that's going to be the case at all. I think we're going to get Miro against the House of Black. When Buddy Matthews comes back, we may get Miro, Darby, and Sting teaming up against Buddy, Malachi, and Brody. Sign me up. Sign me up. Sign me up for Miro versus Brody. Sign me up for Miro versus Black. Sign me up for Miro versus Buddy Matthews or Buddy Matthews versus anybody, really. Sign me up. Sign me up. Interesting stuff there. Jonathan Gresham is out there with Tully Blanchard against Lee Moriarty. This was a Ring of Honor World title match. Match had the Ring of Honor presentation. Bobby Cruz as the ring announcer. Caprice Coleman on commentary. Moriarty started sending Gresham to the floor twice, followed him out there to brawl around ringside. Back in the ring, Gresham tried to take control, working over the arm of Moriarty, but the referee turned his back. Gresham hit Moriarty with a low blow to take control of the match because now he's a heel, and he's got to do heel things, and he's with Tully Blanchard, so he's got to do the low blow. Gresham took Moriarty down with a side headlock, Look at that, a chin lock. No, 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 they don't do chin locks in AEW. A side headlock. Several times, go to commercial break. Excalibur here is uh, talking about how great Jonathan Gresham is, and he is. And Moriarty got a nice throw on Gresham, nice suplex out of the armbar. Moriarty hit a great drop kick and a single underhook suplex for a bridge and a near fall. Gresham kept going back to attacking Moriarty's arm. Moriarty got another near fall off of a a cradle. Gresham trapped him in the octopus, stretched him out for the tap out. One, two, three, and that was pretty much it. Moriarty taps to the octopus stretch. After the match was over, Shivani interviewed Gresham, who promised to be on AEW Rampage every week from this point on because he's sick of not being in the spotlight as Ring of Honor champion. Gresham called himself the best technical wrestler in the world. And Claudio Castagnoli, his music hits the PA. He walks out. Claudio, by the way, has never held a world championship. Came out and taunted Gresham from the stage. You want to fight? You're going to fight me. You're going to call yourself the best in the world? You're going to fight me. Claudio, a part of the Blackpool Combat Club. We got... uh, Wheeler Yuta already in the Blackpool Combat Club holding Ring of Honor gold. Could we see Claudio bring Ring of Honor gold to the Blackpool Combat Club via the Ring of Honor World Championship? Looks like that's our main event for Death Before Dishonor, folks. Sign me the fuck up. Sign me up. Claudio and Jonathan Gresham, we may be looking at a match of the year classic right there. Could be a match of the year candidate right there. I'm all for it. And I'm going with Claudio. And the reason why I'm going with Claudio, and you can see what Tony Khan is doing for this show, Tony Khan has made reference of Ring of Honor either getting a streaming deal or TV deal and Warner Media wanting more content and this and that. He's trying to make Ring of Honor look as attractive as possible. 
I don't want to sit here and downplay Jonathan Gresham. I don't. Jonathan Gresham's incredible. Jonathan Gresham can wrestle anybody, hold for hold, anybody on this planet. But Jonathan Gresham is not Claudio. Jonathan Gresham is not a former WWE superstar. Jonathan Gresham doesn't have the popularity of a Claudio Castagnoli. Claudio Castagnoli, who has his roots ingrained in the Ring of Honor brand. If Tony Khan is looking to bring Ring of Honor to the next level and maybe get a TV rights deal for Ring of Honor and get them their own TV show, whether it's on Warner or a streaming service or whatever, he's going to do whatever he has to do to make this show as attractive as possible and the Ring of Honor brand as attractive as possible. This show, he stacked this show so much already. The reason he's doing the Briscoes versus FTR is because he wants to blow away that buy rate for Supercard of Honor. And if he goes with the tried and true, and he knows these guys are going to fucking tear that house down, he's going to do that. He's going to double what they did at Supercard, maybe triple what they did at Supercard. And if that is the case, that is fucking impressive. For a brand right now that's still on hiatus, that that doesn't have a TV rights deal, that's pretty much just there when Tony Khan needs it. When the championships are defended, you know, it's there when Tony Khan needs them. This is the best thing to do. Claudio in the main event is the right business decision to make. Claudio, as the Ring of Honor world champion, is the right move to make. If he wants Ring of Honor to be as attractive as possible, Claudio and someone like that is going to be at the top. Sucks to be Gresham. But if this is the match and the main event at Death Before Dishonor, Claudio's winning that fucking title. Claudio needs to win that title. And being that it's so early in Claudio's run, I don't really see him losing so quickly with the volcanic reaction he's got coming in literally three weeks ago. That's my take on that. Christopher Daniels called out Jay Lethal in defense of Samoa Joe. So we'll probably get that right before uh, Death Before Dishonor on Rampage on Friday. Chris Statlander and Athena defeated Charlotte's and Robin Renegade. These are Jesse's girls. Jesse's girls. 25 seconds. Bro, what's going on? I expected uh, something more here from the Renegade twins, bro. What happened? 25 seconds. Chris Statlander looks incredible. She does. So does Athena. And we got these two in the ring. 25 seconds. We got a code breaker by Statlander out of an electric chair a drop from Athena. And then we got the O-face from Athena. Top rope, stunner off the top. And that was it for the pinfall. And Statlander and Athena win. In less than 30 seconds. After the match, Layla Gray, who was on the outside in the baddies section, uh, she was out there with uh, Amber Nova, I believe I saw there too. The other two I didn't really recognize, but Amber Nova was there, man. I remember her seeing uh, her on NXT. And she's, uh, I believe, wrestled a couple of AEW matches as well. She's a baddie too. She's a baddie. I actually like Amber Nova a little bit better than Layla Gray for the baddies, but to each his own. To each his own. Layla Gray... Uh, got in Athena's face. Athena and Statlander started to get the best of uh, Layla, but Jade and Kiera Hogan ran in. This seemed like it might have been uh, the plan for Stokely to send Layla Gray out there so that uh, the rest of the baddies come on out. And they basically 
had Layla Gray sacrifice herself to get the advantage on Chris Statlander and Athena as the baddies laid out both ladies in the ring. Lexi Nair interviewed Lee Moriarty after his loss. Uh, We got Stokely interrupting uh, this interview, offering Moriarty his services as a manager, but Matt Seidel chased him off. Seidel made a match for Moriarty against Dante Martin next week. Stokely with Lee Moriarty, I could get behind that. I could get behind that, absolutely, no doubt. Tony Schiavone interviewed Billy Gunn and the Gun Club. Billy Gunn admitted that treating the acclaimed better than his own sons, he did do, he did do that. Uh, he did admit this, but sometimes Daddy S has to drop the hammer. This brought out the acclaimed, and there was no rap. There was no Max Caster with a microphone. Booze in the arena because that's what the people want, and AEW didn't give the people what they want. So they're out there. They're ready to fight. Billy tried to get uh, Bowens to uh, scissor daddy ass, and this uh, led to a beatdown. The claim took out the guns. Max Caster rapped about Billy Gunn being hung like a tadpole. Bowens challenged the guns to a match, but the guns declined, and the acclaimed are hugely over his baby faces and I foresee tag team title gold in the Acclaim's future in the next 9 to 12 months. Absolutely no question. Wednesday's Dynamite. We got the barbed wire everywhere match between Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho. That is worth the price of admission by itself. Varsity Blondes versus Christian Cage and Luchasaurus. Brody King versus Darby Allin. And the Best Friends versus John Moxley and Wheeler Yuta. Rampage Friday, we got Lee Moriarty versus Dante Martin. Death Before Dishonor, we got, like I said, Gresham versus Claudio for the Ring of Honor World title. Samoa Joe versus Jay Lethal for the Ring of Honor TV title. Wheeler Yuta versus Danny Garcia for the Ring of Honor Pure title. FTR Briscoe's two out of three falls for the Ring of Honor Tag Team titles. And Mercedes Martinez versus Serena Deep for the Ring of Honor Women's Championship. Stacked show takeover worthy right there. I love it. Main event, Lucha Brothers versus Alex, uh, versus not Alex Abrahantes, Lucha Brothers and Alex Abrahantes versus Private Party. This is with Andrade El Idolo. I didn't like this match at all, man. You know, this just, there's just something about Private Party that doesn't interest me anymore. I don't know what it is. I feel like the excitement that was Private Party was, uh, Something that I was excited about at first, and then it's just gone right out the window. I, I don't know what it is, man. Honestly, Mark Quinn, Isaiah Cassidy, two talented guys. But I feel like the Hardy thing, the Hardy group, killed all their momentum. And honestly, you know, there's so many great tag teams in this company that's private party and what they do and what they bring to the table isn't really all that special anymore. I feel like Private Party hasn't grown since being in AEW. I don't. I don't feel like they, that, 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 that they've grown. I see all these other tag teams just fine, just shooting by them, and they're still the same. There's nothing new. They haven't matured. And we got the Lucha Brothers beating them here in a very mid-subpar match. Nothing too crazy here, right? But before I go into the Super Chats, the HFO did ruin them, I believe. I don't know what Tony Khan's standing is on private party. You know, maybe they're a part of those year oneers 
that he used to help get the brand over and get the tag team division over. I could absolutely, and this, this may be something that does happen, I could see Private Party leave AEW, and I could see Private Party going to NXT, and I think the way that they are now, I could see them fit perfectly with the vision of NXT 2.0. I do. I just don't get a sense that Mark Quinn and Isaiah Cassidy really belong in AEW anymore. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. But the Lucha Brothers got the victory here, and it was uh, a very subpar main event at best between Private Party and the Lucha Brothers. Guys, we are about to go over the Super Chats. Thank you guys very much for uh, 2,000 plus. We near 2,100 tonight in the OTS venue. I appreciate you, man. Once again, tonight sponsored by my good friends over at Monk Pack. Make sure you guys go and get your Monk Pack, bro. Monkpack.com. Enter code scripts. Or click that link that I provided you guys in the live stream chat, man. I pinned it at the top. Go get your Monk Pack, man. Go check it out. Click the link. Just click it. Go look at it. That's all you need to do. If you don't want to look at if you don't want to buy anything, just click it, man. Click it. Click it. Click it. Check it out. You might like something. You might find something you like over there. I want to thank them for sponsoring the show. Also, also, continue to hit that thumbs up, guys. I only see 876 likes. Why aren't we near 1,000? We had 2,100 in here, man. There should be 1,000 minimum on OTS. Continue to get those Super Chats in. And go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel, man. Plenty, plenty of content on the channel. Start at the top, man. Michelle Moran with a $2 Super Chat. No Roman. Belts need to come off him ASAP. Also, Michelle Moran with another $2 Super Chat. I love Darby versus House of Black. Wish he joined them. Darby will never be a heel, Michelle. Tony loves Darby so much, she would never do that to him. Joseph Taylor with a 5, a 3, and a 2. Jonathan Gresham, Claudio Castagnoli for the Ring of Honor title at Death Before Dishonor. Take my money. Joseph Taylor with a $3 Super Chat. FTR Briscoes, 2 out of 3 falls. Take my money. And Joseph Taylor with a $2 Super Chat. Private Party versus Lucha Brothers. Match of the night. I would not go that far. I would say uh, I enjoyed the opening match more than Private Party Lucha Brothers. Mike Lauer with a $5 Super Chat. Hey, JD, were you ever a fan of the metal bands Pantera and Chimera? Two of my favorite metal bands are Demon Hunter and the band Red. Uh, yeah, Mike, I was uh, I was a big fan of Pantera. My favorite Pantera song is Five Minutes Alone. My favorite Pantera album, obviously, is... I would say... Uh, I love them all, man, to be honest with you. I love them all. 
The one I really, the one I really enjoyed, honestly, to be to be honest with you, uh, it doesn't get enough love, and I loved it, man. I love reinventing the steel. I do. I think that's a great album. And Pantera is getting back together, man. Zach Wild. Zach Wild is getting back with Phil Anselmo to do a Pantera reunion, man, with Rex. Phil and Rex, the bass player, Rex. Rex Brown. Only two remaining surviving Pantera members, man. Should be good. And by the way, Alter Bridge has their new single coming out on Tuesday. Should be great. Tony Brown and Chimera, bro. Uh, Mike, Chimera. I love Chimera, bro. Loved Chimera. My favorite Chimera song is the song Needle. Oh, if there's a song I could play on this show, man, it, that would be one of them. Seriously. Tony Brown with a 499. Yes. Fresh booty. And we got some decent booty meat tonight, uh, Tony Brown. We got some decent booty meat tonight, man. We got Liv Morgan. We got Athena. We got Chris Statlander, right? We got Jade. We got Kiara. We got Layla. Coil Phoenix with an 11 month membership. I'm literally counting down the days so I can buy my tickets for AEW in Buffalo on September 7th. This will be my first AEW event, and I can't wait. Coil Phoenix, you are going to enjoy yourself. Buffalo should be rocking and rolling, and AEW always is a great live atmosphere. Donzel in the chat. Who the fuck is your wife, bro? You've been talking about your wife. All night long, man. Who the fuck is your wife? And why do we need to know? Carl Peterson with a three-month membership. Thank you so much, Carl. No message for Carl. I appreciate you, Carl. Joseph Taylor with a three-dollar super chat. JD, she is a ten, but her voice sounds like Denise. Joseph Taylor, I will not have any Denise slander in my chat. We love Denise here. We think Denise is great. Mackenzie Core with a one ninety-nine super chat. Big twenty-first birthday shout out for my BF, my boyfriend Nick. Mackenzie, happy birthday to Nick. He's finally of age to have a cold beverage. Do not, do not give that man a Bud Light or a Coors Light or a Budweiser or anything that tastes like those three beers. If I find out that he had fucking beer-flavored piss, I'm going to have to dump you. Get ready. Happy birthday, Nick, my brother. Thank you, Mackenzie. Ronald Sims with a three-month membership. Thank you, Ronald, for the recommitment to the VIP club, man. Three months celebrating with some liquid death and a fine brandy. Man, I made myself listen, man. I'm telling you, I'm getting 
I'm getting good at making these old fashions, man, at the house here. Oh, oh my goodness. I should start my own fucking uh, cocktail menu, man. The JD fashion. Thank you, Ronald, for the three months, brother. JP5150 with a $10 super chat. All good things must come to an end. It will be my, my, it will be my last night in Miami as I enjoy my old... My last old-fashioned cocktail and enjoy the lovely sounds of The Air Tonight by State of Mind, a Phil Collins classic. There you go. JP just gave you the name of the song and the artist there, man. Thank you, JP. Hopefully you had a good time in Miami, man. Speaking of booty meat, man, how much booty meat you see in Miami, bro? Got to be tons of it right now. It's got to be hot as a motherfucker down there, too. DRP with a five-month membership. Hoyt Reynalda, what's an old-fashioned? Uh, Hoyt Reynalda, an old-fashioned is your bourbon whiskey of choice. You could do rye whiskey as well. I prefer the bourbon whiskey. Your favorite whiskey, two ounces, ice, water, bitters, an orange peel, and a Luxardo cherry. That's all it is, bro. That's all it is, man. DRP with a five-month membership. Which two wrestlers in their prime would have a better match? Bret Hart versus Kurt Angle or Eddie Guerrero versus Shawn Michaels? I'm going with Bret Hart versus Kurt Angle. No doubt about it. Also, DRP, thank you for the five months, brother. Thoughts on Shawn Michaels in 1997 and 1998? I thought he was great. I thought he was great. Uh, Gino Allen in the chat. No sugar cube for me anymore, bro. I use what is, uh, I use this stuff called proof old-fashioned cocktail syrup, man. It eliminates the need to uh, muddle a sugar cube. That's the old-fashioned, old-fashioned way. I'm using this syrup called proof. Go look it up. Proof old-fashioned cocktail syrup, man. I got this black walnut syrup. Delicious. All you do is take ice, pour the syrup over the ice, pour the whiskey into the cocktail mixer, mix it around, make sure you have a nice, cold, round, sphered ice cube, put it in a, in, a, in a cocktail glass, you stir it in the mixer, pour over ice, add the orange peel, add your cherry, you're good to go. Love it. Can't tell the difference, man. I can make you an old-fashioned... And not tell you how I make it, and you'd be like, JD, this is fucking delicious. Seriously. I love Shawn Michaels in 97, man. I thought he was great. Money Senpai with a two-month membership. When it comes to the IWC, JD is the best in the world. You better fucking believe it, bro. There's nobody better. Who better? Who better? Not Canyon. Not Brian Cage. J.D. Hoyt Reynaldo with a six-month membership. Thank you, Hoyt. Hey, J.D., I can't wait for Death Before Dishonor. It's my first Ring of Honor pay-per-view. What can I expect from a Ring of Honor show? And I love the new beer guard. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Hoyt, if you loved NXT TakeOvers under Triple H, you're going to love Death Before Dishonor, bro. That's all I got to say. Edward, Edward Liu with an 11-month membership. 
Summer Scam is on my birthday this year, but Death Before Dishonor is my real birthday present. What match on Death, Depo- Death Before Dishonor are you looking forward to most, J.D.? Edward, I'm looking forward to uh, FTR on the Briscoes. Absolutely no doubt. Joseph Taylor with a $5 Super Chat. Death Before Dishonor is 40 bucks for me. Why is it $30 for you? I don't know where you're looking, Joseph Taylor. I'm ordering it through my cable box, through my cable provider. $29.99, bro. Somebody's ripping you off. Gary, the new man with a $5 Super Chat. Odds WWE has a guy dress up and act like LA Knight's sister next week. Bro, please. Please, man. Don't will that into existence, bro. Kalo does everything with a $4.99 super chat. I just hope AEW's women's division is booked better and needs to be on TV more. Tonight ain't it and need to have more potential, in my opinion. Bro, it's Rampage. I'm not too concerned. I'm not too concerned about anything, man. Uh, Mr. Dark Ace, I was not able to find this cookie dough whiskey, bro, but I will be lo- I'm still looking for it, bro. I'm still looking for it. I can't find it anywhere. Maybe I'm not looking hard enough, bro. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you guys. River Bandit with a $2 Super Chat. Gresham versus Claudio will be fire emoji. Yes, it will be. Yes, it will be, bro. Angel with a seven-month membership. Hi, JD. Love your beer garden. Finally, WD puts a match with two good young wrestlers in theory versus Madcap. Otherwise, rematch versus rematch. Yeah, man. Tonight's up. An Angel with a $50 Super Chat. Getting rid of WWPG 13 won't matter. Until the two old geezer degenerates are no longer in creative. Maybe I'll look on that app, Drizzly, to get me some cookie dough whiskey, man. I'd like to make that into an old-fashioned. Angel, thank you for the 50 bomb, brother. That's a lot of money, man. Thank you so much. Kratos with a $10 super chat. I was going to wait until SummerSlam to tell the OTS family this. But I'm getting married in a few years. I popped the question last month, and my baby said yes. OTS for life. Kratos, that's excellent news, brother. Congratulations on that, man. That's a life... uh, That is a life moment right there, man. And Eric Wells, $25 for whiskey to me seems a little cheap, man. You got to spend at least upwards so it's 50, 60 for the good shit, man. Probably over that. 70, 80, 90 for the good shit. Congratulations, Kratos, man. That's awesome. Gary Gordon with a five in Super Chat. Miami being shunned again. Cheap house show in Lauderdale this Sunday. No premium event since Hell in the Cell October 2014. Randy versus Danielson. WWE hates Miami. Uh, Gary, Miami is not a wrestling town, bro. Miami is not a good wrestling town, man. The crowds there are very weak. 
JD, it's called Doughboy Whiskey. It's the same company that makes Screwball Peanut Butter Whiskey. Well, then it's got to be good. The Visionary with a 199 Super Chat. Hey, JD, how did you come up with the drink names? Because I'm fucking creative, The Visionary. You would say that I'm a visionary. Kratos with a $5 Super Chat. Davy Boy Smith used to average three chin locks a match in the 90s. I'm tired of seeing chin locks at this point. Bro, we didn't notice that when we were watching Davy Boy Smith. Now I notice it because WWE is just so fucking obsessed by repeating the same shit every fucking week. Sato Fortune with a Canadian $5 Super Chat. You should make a t-shirt with the dreaded chin lock or Ronda Drowsy. I would buy one. Keep on rocking, JD. Thank you, Sato Fortune, man. I appreciate you, brother. Golden Boy with a 10-month membership. Thank you for the recommitment, man. Just want to say thank you for all you do, JD. OTS for life. Cheers. Cheers, brother. Hollywood guy with a $5 super chat. Could you see Zelina as the Maxine Dupree? And Lacey Evans needs to go away or book better. No, Zelina's not coming back as Maxine Dupree. That would be ridiculous. Chakoy with a nine-month membership. Today, I met Natalia at a meet-and-greet in Cricket. She was nice. Also, there was a raffle for free tickets to tonight's SmackDown show. Glad I didn't win. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't win either, bro. It sucked. And I'm sure Natalia is a pleasant woman. About 10 Midgets becomes a new member. Midgets, thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you, man. Scorpio, 1117 with the $2 Super Chat. Angels versus Braves next weekend, baby. Oh, great. More... Ri- I don't know. I hate interleague play, man. I really do. I, I can't stand interleague play. I think interleague play sucks. It's fucking... It, it's a waste. But the Braves are hot, man. The Braves are playing very well. They're playing like a World Series team, no doubt about it. Joseph Taylor with a $5 Super Chat. My cable provider is Atlantic Broadband. What is yours? I have Verizon, bro. I never heard of Atlantic Broadband ever. Atlantic Broadband is clearly ripping you off, bro. About 10 minutes with a $5 Super Chat. There he is. Just resubscribed. Nine months. Three months till that red microphone. OTS is the only place to get the unbiased truth about the state of pro wrestling. You better fucking believe it, 10 Midgets. Love it. Thank you, bro. Scorpio, 1117 with the $2 Super Chat. Jed Cargill is number one in all of women's wrestling. Not going to argue with that, man. Jade is very popular. And we got a $5 super chat from Baby Maharaja. JD, if they make gender babyface, I hope it get a better story than to dance with New Day because he's never been a face. Yeah, Baby Maharaja, I think you're having uh, a nervous breakdown there, bro. What are they doing to your boy, man? 
Seriously. Thank you for the five in Super Chat, Baby Maharaja. I feel like I'm listening to some fucking Iron Maiden over here, man. What the fuck is this shit that I put on here? Sounds good. Joseph Taylor with $2 Super Chat. Atlantic Broadband is used to, used to be Metro Cat. Bro, I don't know who the fuck that is, man. Where, where are you living, bro? Atlantic Broadband used to be Metrocast. Bro, I know Verizon and Cablevision, or uh, Xfinity, who sucks. I got Xfinity in Jersey, man. Sucks. My place in, in, in Atlantic City. I can't stand them. We had Cablevision here in New York. Time Warner. Or whoever else you guys use. Verizon's the best, man. All cable TV's dying anyway. Everything's streaming now. Anyway, guys, I... I let this song play out, man. This song is fucking great. I don't even know who the fuck this is. There you go. Awesome stuff there. Spectrum. Spectrum good? I can't imagine Spectrum's good, man. Anyway. I'm getting out of here. We are about to get out of the beer garden, man. I'll give Jesse the night off. Jesse's got the night off. I live in Laconia, New Hampshire. Well, there's your problem, uh, Joseph. You live in New Hampshire, Joseph. There's your fucking problem. Who lives in New Hampshire, bro? What the fuck is there to do in New Hampshire? Sounds like a miserable time. Anyway, guys, uh, we're about to get out of here. Next time you see me is Sunday night. Live. I may have an extra tomorrow, depending on how I feel, man. I got to install air conditioner in this fucking room, man. It's fucking ridiculous in here. Dickens Dumont's. With a $10 super chat, JD, loving how AEW Crown Swerve Keith Lee as tag team champions and Jonathan Gresham and Lee working it out. I'm loving the direction. This super chat is for the OTS fam. One love, JD, Chelsea, and the rest. Thank you, Dickens Dumont, brother. I think tomorrow I'm going to do some work around the office, man. Reorganize the desk, install an air conditioner. Set up my Steam Deck. I got my Steam Deck finally. My Valve Steam Deck. And I'll be live for episode 436 on Sunday night, man. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We're growing nicely on TikTok, man. I love it. And Cameo. Everything you need is linked down below. Go check out Monk Pack, guys. Click the link. Check out Monk Pack. Check them out. Monkpack.com code scripts. Hit that thumbs up. Thank you for the super chats. Thank you for the new memberships. Thank you for the recommitments. And go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel, man. Everything you need, everything you need is on the homepage right there. You know what's coming up, man? I need those guitar emojis. I need those Mustang emojis in the chat as well. 
for my VIPs, and I need that music on max. Guys, I'll see you live Sunday night for episode 436 of OTS right here from the OTS Beer Garden. Until then, guys, enjoy Saturdays, and I will see you all later. about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com.